Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, November 24th. We begin with the alleged interference by the Chinese government in our 2019 federal election. We catch up with Margaret McQuaig-Johnson, Senior Fellow of Public and International Affairs at the University of Ottawa, to talk about what needs to be done in order to safeguard future elections from being influenced by foreign operatives. City Council has laid out the framework for Calgary's four-year budget plan. How does the plan look through the eyes of local business owners? We discuss with Deborah Yedlin, President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. Employees are leaving their jobs in higher than usual numbers these days. With a lot of options out there right now for Canadians looking for work, what can employers do to retain their staff? We get some advice on how to keep your workers happy from an HR specialist from staffing and human resource consulting company, Peninsula. And finally, 770 CHQ our annual Pledge Day is just one week away. Our on-air contributor, Dave McIver, shines the spotlight on another unique charity that will directly benefit from the Calgary Children's Foundation. China allegedly interfered with the 2019 federal election, providing a quarter million dollars in funding via a Communist Party proxy group to candidates that China wanted to win. Joining us to talk about it is Margaret McQuaig Johnston, Senior Fellow, Graduate School of Public and International Affairs at the University of Ottawa. Good morning to you. Thanks so much for joining us, Margaret. Thanks, Sue. Appreciate you having uh, some time to to share this. Can you break it down for people who might not have heard this story? How did China allegedly interfere with that 2019 election? Well, um, uh, as you said, that there's an allegation that uh, an uh, umbrella group uh, called the Confederation of Toronto Chinese Canadian Organizations, an umbrella group for another hundred Chinese organizations, had been funneling um, funding of $250,000 to a network of people supportive of China, including um, uh, ostensibly 11 candidates in the 2019 election. So that's a very serious business. And in fact, when that news broke, uh, the Prime Minister accused Beijing of playing aggressive games and said that he needs to fight against election interference and, and had asked security officials to follow up on the reports. How concerned, Margaret, should Canadians be regarding any foreign influence on our political system? In, in, is this type of interference common in other countries? It's common in other countries, and actually, um, foreign interference in general has been going on for many years in in Canada um, from Chinese agents. We know that um, Uyghurs and Tibetans in, living in Canada have been harassed. There have been attempts to get them to return home uh, to China and uh, where they can be incarcerated. And uh, so, and there have been cyber campaigns against candidates in elections uh, who are seen to be anti-China. So this is very serious uh, and goes really to the heart of our democracy. Would these candidates have known that there was money coming this? Like, was it that overt that they were being, you know, offered cash or would it sort of been hidden and, and you know, they, they wouldn't have realized where that influence was coming from? Yeah, it's very possible that at least some of them didn't realize that they were getting funding uh, through perhaps their writing associations uh, from Chinese sources. Uh, so they may have been unwitting in um, in in that. Uh, but it's it's important to for the police to investigate thoroughly every one of those cases. And there was an all, also an allegation that China had. 
uh, been able to place um, uh, pro-China people in policy positions in the offices of members, some members of parliament. So those security clearances need to be reviewed as well. Do we know, do we have any stats? I know that this is early on and it's come to light really just in the next uh, past handful of days really. Uh, but do we know what mix of uh, parties it was that the Chinese government uh, approached for the, some of these potential MPs? It's been reported that it's both conservatives and liberals. Um, and now we know that there's been an allegation by the Bloc Québécois as well that uh, is being investigated. And it seems like, you know, Trudeau angered the prime minister or um, angered uh, uh, Xi Jinping at the G20 meeting recently by even discussing it. So, you know, is that getting any any play or does it matter or is is the Chinese government going to kind of do what, what the Chinese government does? Well, it's a really good point, and I, I would give him a lot of credit for raising this and speaking about it publicly. And then when she approached him the next day and objected to the fact that the media had heard about this discussion they had about Chinese interference in Canada, um, the Prime Minister stood his ground and uh, and said that this is not acceptable and uh, there there will be things that we disagree on and uh, and so I think that he he handled himself well in that context. Well, you know, we don't want this to happen. Uh, we want our country to remain, uh, you know, sovereign. We want our election process to be above board and without influence. What sorts of protocols and governors should we be having in place and and how do we move ahead to ensure that this doesn't happen in the future? Well, one of the things that I've been concerned about is misinformation in campaigns and um, and cybers and, and bots. Uh, Taiwan uh, may be able to give us some lessons on this because they've been going through this for many years from China. They call it cognitive warfare, where you try to uh, change people's minds uh, about candidates. Um, we've also, as I said, have had a lot of harassment of Chinese, Uyghurs, Tibetans, and it would be helpful to have a single window for them to go to um, to get investigations of these um, uh, of this harassment right now they go to the RCMP and the RCMP tells them to go to their local police or to the CSIS and so it would be great to have a single place they can go Um, I I think we also need a foreign influence registry where uh, those acting on behalf of the Chinese state would have to be registered. Australia has a registry like that. And then the UK has recently passed Foreign Interference uh, Act, uh, which would deter uh, interference like this and and create significant penalties. Right now, the penalties in Canada of interference in an election are um, uh, $250,000 and, and um, six, up to six months in, in jail, which may not be a deterrent in mm-hmm. some cases. Yeah, it feels like a bit of a slap on the wrist for something so incredibly important that we need to be watching for. Thanks so much for the update this morning, Margaret. Appreciate your time. Good to chat with you. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Margaret McQuaig-Johnston is a senior fellow at the Graduate School of Public and International Affairs at the University of Ottawa. Well, City Council has laid out their four-year budget plan. They're deliberating it this week. How is this proposed budget being received by Calgary's business community? Joining us to talk about it is Deborah Yedlin, President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. Hi, Deborah. 
Good morning. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us. What's the process like? Do you share a proposed budget with your member businesses or do you just get feedback from them? What does that look like? What happens is we hear from our businesses in terms of what the challenges are that they are facing. And of course, one of the challenges that they're facing is a rising cost environment. The inflationary pressures uh, and everything from energy costs to labor costs to supply chain issues um, and, you know, the overall inflation rate, higher interest rates um, is, is challenging for businesses. And so when we're looking at a property tax increase, Again, this year for them, it is something that's one more one more pebble on top of a pile that continues to grow. And that's a concern for us because we want to make sure that our businesses are competitive and that they're not bearing an undue share of, of the tax base. Uh, and it's a challenge for them. So what we hear from them is, you know, we have costs that we have to manage. It's a tough environment right now. And if we have to, you know, property taxes going up again, it's going to be tough for us. However, you know, with the current economic climate, uh, Deborah, were, were there any surprises that this was not going to be a everyone smiling after reading some of these details budget ahead? Well, what we've been looking at is the trend, and we have a the, one of our reference points is what businesses pay relative to what residences pay, and we've seen this it's a ratio of three point eight to one right now. So basically, what it means is that businesses are paying about three point eight times as much as residences are. What we'd like to see is that number come down to 2.8, and that is a number that was where we were in 2014. And since then, that number's gone up pretty steadily. It dipped a bit during the recession, and now it's going up again. And the issue is that, you know, we have to think about how we sort of bring this into better balance. So there's also, there's the 2.8 to one idea. There's also, we look at it from a shared perspective, 40% businesses, 60% residences. Other cities in the country have brought it down to that share, 60-40 split. And if we look at it, um, you know, that would really be a way to to make us competitive relative to other jurisdictions as well. So do you get the ear of the mayor and council in terms of this week while the budget debates are going on? Uh, yes, we actually we did present to the city council on this issue on Tuesday morning. And we're asked questions about it as well. And really, the point that we made was a 1% change in in terms of it's a 48, 52% split right now, businesses, residences. If we change that by 1%, brought that down to 47%, 53%, that 1% change would mean an extra $45 a year for residents and a savings of about $2,000 for small businesses. Small businesses are employers, and we need to make sure that we have a robust uh, ecosystem for 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 them to to be able to thrive, so that they can also provide employment opportunities. Obviously, you're talking about that proposal when it comes to the four-year budget plan from the city, but also this is a very busy hustle and bustle time of the year for us as as consumers and uh, Canadians and Calgarians getting ready for the holiday season. What are you hearing as far as any optimism when it comes to the holiday season and and local businesses and making some extra money? Well, what we're hearing, obviously, is that there is a return to Christmas parties. People are having events. They are having either private events or businesses are having going back to having events to support, to, to celebrate their, their employees. And certainly, we haven't had big events for, call it, three years. So I think that's, that's, that's exciting. But we're really hoping that everybody will really focus in Calgary 
on on um, buying local and supporting local businesses. But there is a sense of optimism in terms of how um, how we're going to so what, what kind of Christmas season we're going to have, holiday season we're going to have. Having said that, there's still that you know people are mindful that the R word is uh, floating, uh, and people are concerned about what 2023 will bring. From a from an economic perspective and and potentially a recessionary perspective. Yeah, difficult time for sure. But uh, yep, love it. Buy local, spend local. Great advice yes. for sure. Heading into the holidays. Please. Thanks so much for your time, Deborah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Deborah Yedlin, President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. Yeah. Christmas parties back. That that's interesting. An interesting question. Yeah. We're, we're we're hearing that they you know a lot of them uh, companies are having maybe scaled back, maybe just going full board and say okay, let's make up for some lost time. Mm-hmm. But the economics behind it, and it's, it ties together with what we spoke about earlier, Sue. Is it important to you to get together with your fellow staff members? Maybe that's something that you, you enjoy with your workplace, is knowing that you're going to have a Christmas party, you're going to have a company barbecue or a golf tournament. Will that keep you at your company? Yeah, is that is that camaraderie enough? Yeah. Would that say, okay, well, I could go another I don't know anybody there, and I'm, I'm not hearing that they have the you know, uh, lavish parties that my last company did. So it, it, it's an interesting thing. You know what I wish would come back? Donut days. Donut days have been years here. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Maybe it's something that you have had at your work. It's all gone. We'll get it back. So, yeah, I know you were talking earlier this year That's about leaving. Keep me, yeah, I know I was. Because there was no donuts. But now maybe if it's coming back, I'll think twice. What do companies need to do to attract and retain talent? Joining us with some HR tips and insights is Kilian Shukalari, HR Advisory Manager at Peninsula. Good morning to you, Kilian. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, good morning and thanks for having me. So, you know, a high turnover rate obviously impacts the bottom line for a business, but also I would think could be a real red flag for potential new hires. So how do businesses, what are some of the best ways that they can work to keep their employees and not only keep them, but keep them happy? Because that's probably the biggest point right now we need to look at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the way that you mentioned the, the big recession, the big resignation, um, it, it's not uh, by any means... Um, going away it's happening um what you can do it starts from the beginning you want to be offering a competitive salary and benefits it's an easy thing to say but knowing your industry knowing the environment and landscape you operate in um will go a long way to to be able to provide that and could be other perks depending on where you're located uh, and so forth uh, could be extra time off or anything like that. Um, provide clarity. We're all big about documentation up front with your employees uh, when it comes to a contract of employment or policies, but also clarity in terms of what the job is actually all about. We hear uh, constantly individuals that join a company, but then they find out the job is not what they thought it would be. Uh, you should not have that kind of ambiguity starting um a new role. Um, recognize your individuals, encourage uh, work-life balance when possible, maybe allow for um, remote work. It seems to be hybrid, seems to be the way nowadays, even though a lot of employers are bringing their employees back to the office, hybrid seems to be a preferred way of work for the, those positions and roles and companies and business that it works for. Um, the other thing would be to provide a career path. Um, for individuals, uh, growth within the company, maybe coach them to another position. At the end of the day, Sue, it's about listening to your individuals um, and making sure that they are they have all the tools to be successful within your environment. It's interesting to me, Kelyan, in that this seems to be to me the first time in in my memory, and you know I'm a 
over 40 years old now, uh, Killian. Uh, the, 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 the employees are really in the driver's mm. seat. Is, is this an oddity in that sense? I mean, it, it is it is, and it isn't. Uh, the reasons why individuals are leaving, um, uh, it sounds to be just uh, pay, and that might be obviously in, in positions that are very equal in terms of what they're offering. Um, but the other thing is keeping your individuals uh, motivated. And that's the, that's the other thing. Individuals nowadays, and it's, it's all in advertisement and how people are advertised to, um, the attention span is very, very, very short. So you want to make sure that you, you are listening to those cues that individuals are giving you. If there's something about their job they don't like, if it's something that you can do to make it a bit more um, appealing to those individuals, you want to make sure that you put those things in place. And yes, I mean, it, to your point, it is one of those situations where employees seem to have the control, but at the same time, the employers are the ones that are offering these roles. So why is a company making that job more appealing? Maybe you want to be a bit um, benchmarking yourself against other companies. Yeah, you know, you talk about pay, and certainly it's always and always will be one of the most important factors at a job for right. most people. But, you know, I would suspect now with the cost of living, with inflation, it all really, that's what it boils down to at this point. If you're not, you know, making ends meet, then it's time to look for a new job, I would think would be kind of the, the thought of most people. Uh, yes, yes, but also there's the other side. Moving during these times, um, it's not really something that people want to do. So there are a lot of individuals that would want that job security. So you want to make sure that you keep those individuals happy. Um, them making the leap and going to another job is not, uh, you know, money takes you so far, and I understand the cost of leaving and everything, but also going to another job, switching, having to learn, having to uh, pretty much rebuild your brand with the other company, that's also an investment from an employee standpoint. And for employers, Having an employee leave, even in those positions where people paying or individuals or employers might think they're easily replaceable, uh, it's an investment for your business. So if you have to pay out a little bit more for an individual, think about that as an investment because having an employee trained from the beginning, provide them with an understanding uh, of what the job is all about, getting them up to speed uh, with what the requirements are, that's going to be an investment on its own and you're going to do it with someone that you don't know what kind of uh, work ethic they have and everything so you want to make sure that you are weighing all the options properly Kiliana, i'm wondering is is this a certain age sector that we're seeing people you know getting antsy and looking for new work is it the younger folks or the older folks or is it across the entire age spectrum at this point that you're seeing um i would say it's a, it's a bit of a mix however um the uh, if we were to say anecdotally, it would be um, a younger demographic, um, and that is basically linked back to what I mentioned earlier in terms of the job being exciting, and uh, job being um, a, a place where they can actually see a career path, so they would want constant feedback. It's a certain demographic that it requires that constant feedback, positive reinforcement, you're doing great, here's what your next kind of milestone would be. So you want to make sure that you're you're always keeping that in mind, showing that career path and maybe setting some clear expectations and coaching mm-hmm. as well. Important stuff on both sides for the employee and the employer. Thanks so much for the conversation. Appreciate your time this morning. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. Thank right. you. Kilian Shukalari is an HR advisory manager at Peninsula, peninsulacanada.com.
Well, as we move closer to our annual pledge day here on 770 CHQR, a week tomorrow, by the way, December the 2nd, our on-air contributor Dave McIver is highlighting some of the charities that your donated dollars will help. Since 1992, the Calgary Children's Foundation has raised money for small children's charities in the Calgary area. Many recipients aren't able to large-scale fundraise. The foundation also reaches a large number of children who may be falling through the cracks. Sue Trifry is the co-chair of Accessibility Renovations for Kids, or ARC. So ARC is a Calgary charity that provides home accessibility renovations for families with kids who have mobility issues. So the type of thing that we do is like wheelchair accessible bathrooms, lifts, um, wheelchair ramps, that type of thing. And we're 100% volunteer run. We use professional renovation contractors for quality results who donate a lot of their time and help get us donations and discounts on materials and services. Our art kids are nominated, so we're always looking for the next ARC kid and we have a nomination form on our webpage that people can use and the recipients are selected based on financial need and on ARC's ability to design and build renovations and we the design and construction starts once we have sufficient cash and in-kind donations available for the project. Um, well we've used the pledge money for equipment primarily so um, lifts we've had uh, a couple of recent renovations where we've needed a vertical platform lift outside where the family had uh, kind of a steep entrance to their home and uh, the mother had to carry um, wheelchairs up this uh, steep sidewalk and steps. Syra Bono and her family were beneficiaries of ARC. Syra's daughter Zoa is 14 years old and confined to a wheelchair and after moving to a new home just before the pandemic, Syra's husband lost his job. And on top of that, after years of lifting their daughter, Cyrus' husband needed back surgery. With Soha getting older and heavier, they needed Ark to step in, and it's made a huge difference. We realize, you know, like it is absolute necessity to uh, have this wheelchair accessible house, and you know what, we need to take care of our bags because we need to be healthy in order to take care of her. I mean, they were so good, like, you know what, we hadn't had to do anything. The process was really smooth. It was efficient at first, and they made all the portion of the house where Soha's room is uh, to make it accessible. They built ramp um, around the house, so now it's really easy for Soha to come in and out of house. They made the bathroom accessible. Now it is super easy for her, to, for us to give her bath. Uh, before that, we had to transfer her physically to bath, uh, to the shower because it was not wheelchair accessible. For us, you know what, we uh, now we don't have to do much lifting, heavy lifting. You know, Soha is 14 now and she's at that stage, she's, since she's like, you know, wheelchair on wheelchair all the time and she has no movement or really limited movement. So it means that now she has tendency to gain weight. So she stopped that, you know, first she was in the stage where she was growing, so it was not much of a weight gain problem. But now we are so, so we were doing the point is like, she was gaining weight, we had to do all the lifting and that was hard for us. But now things are super easy uh, and we have to wait, like I and husband had to be home uh, to transfer her. 
but now is that with this uh, making this house wheelchair accessible even one person can do it she can go out easily and she is enjoying like especially summer uh, since uh, she can go to backyard as well uh, it's super easy to go outside so she is enjoying outside more walk and all that so now it's like um, it has increased her mobility and it has made us uh, made it super convenient for us to take care of her to get her in and out of house definitely a need in the community there is a lot of families that cannot uh, afford uh, this type of renovation and so you're helping a child and a family um, just have an easier life so they don't have to struggle with accessibility in their own home. So if you can, join us for Pledge Day on Friday, December 2nd, where the dollars you donate can go to programs like ARC, and you can help families who need a little help making life a little bit more accessible for their kids. For 770 CHQR, I'm Dave McIver.